All right. So, as you can tell, our, our sound quality may be better, could be worse, but we're on Zoom uh, for this meeting. How you been, Josh? I've been good. Um, trying to keep track of everything and trying not to lose my mind when I watch college football and also try not to lose my mind when I check scores in high school basketball. Um, been wild, <laughs> a wild end to the regular season going into tournament time. And, um, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, blue crazy. Shot to, to house that in Bluefield. Right. They, I mean, they had, they had everything in front of them. So, yeah, well, we'll get to high school basketball here in a minute. Um, this is the first time Josh and I have recorded at night. It's a uh, Thursday night and I'm sitting here watching the race. It's the second duel and uh, just hoping and praying Denny Hamlin doesn't win. Um, which he doesn't Christopher Bell does. Um, so let's get into your favorite topic and discuss what's going on there with some college basketball. Um, you mentioned a little bit about rankings coming in on Saturday. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, so Saturday afternoon, the um, the selection committee will kind of release their first thoughts on what a bracket looks like. So there's not really any bracketology at that point. It's where it's kind of like where we are at this moment. And if the season ended, you know, Saturday um, or Friday night, per se, this would be who would be in the tournament, in the bracket. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. You really kind of have three teams at the top that have kind of cemented themselves, whether it be via record, and I'll preface that, record with UConn and um, um, kind of metrics with Purdue and Houston. And then it's kind of like a round robin for that kind of fourth and last number one seed. Right. And then shuffling around in the twos. And then there are some really interesting bubble teams which is really kind of funny because um, I kind of think about the bracket in terms of like politics. So you kind of have like the East coast and the West coast, and then there's like flyover country. So you have ones and twos, and then you have bubble teams and then there's flyover country in between. So you get, <laughs> most people don't talk about who the fifth or sixth seed is going to be. They talk about the ones and twos, and then they talk about the um, pigtail play-in games that are like 11 and 12. And then they talk about bubble teams who didn't make it that could have played in those play-in games or should have gotten in like at an 11 or 12 seed as an at-large. There's usually not 13 seeded at-large bids because those go to automatic qualifiers from um, lesser conferences. But um 
Yeah, so it's pretty interesting. If you keep up with this stuff, um, there has been kind of a round robin between uh, Arizona, Tennessee, and Kansas for that, and, and North Carolina for that last number one seed. And then you you take those those four teams and there's a there's a fourth number two seed in there. And it's that's been interesting because Auburn and Alabama have kind of gone back and forth with that as well. And um that's happened here the last couple of weeks, but Marquette is sitting in there too. And as Tennessee and North Carolina went one and one again this week um, or last week, um, Arizona snuck into that number one seed, that fourth number one seed with uh, with Joe Lenardi and with Jerry Palm uh, with their brackets. So it'll be interesting to see who who sneaks into that fourth number one seed. If you did some blind um, blind resumes, which are always fun, if you you know if you know which team you're you're looking at, and um, you just kind of blind resume against some other teams, kind of interesting to see where things go because metrics wise, the the committee doesn't necessarily take into consideration conference record anymore no. because these these conferences are so big that you get lopsided conference scheduling mm-hmm. so um plus at this point in the at this point in the uh, season some teams are with a lopsided conference um, schedule they might be heavy on the back end light on the front end and, and you and you don't get a really good feel for all of that stuff. I mean, Tennessee, their last four games of the of the season in conference are all quad one games. And when I say quad one games, I'm talking one to in the net rankings, um, ranked one to thirty if you're playing a home game, one to fifty if you're playing a neutral site game and then one to 76 if you're playing um, on the road. So um, Tennessee finishes up with Alabama at Alabama, Auburn at home, um, Kentucky at home at South Carolina. So um, not in that order. Um, They finish with Kentucky, but, um, you know, you get four quad one games at the end of the regular season. If Tennessee wins all of those, then they're eight and five in quad one, and they could finish um, anywhere from eight and one in quad two to um, nine and one, or almost ten and one in quad two, depending on what happens the rest of the season. So, you know, you finish eight and five in quad one and. 10 and one and quad two, that's, that's a pretty hefty lift. If you were to compare it to Arizona, who's playing in the PAC 12 and doesn't have as many quad one opportunities. So 
things can play itself out. It's really fun um, to look at the metrics, um, adjusted defense, adjusted offense. The biggest thing, the, the committee also doesn't look at what the team's net ranking is. They could care less about what the team's net ranking is. They care more about the opponent's net rankings that they're playing. They're more concerned about the opponent's quadrant as opposed to the team that that they're trying to seed what their net ranking. So like Tennessee could be well, Tennessee right now they're seven in the or six in the, in the net. They don't really care that Tennessee's six in the net. They care that Alabama's five and out and Auburn's um, seven. They care about those opponents that they're playing. So when you're looking at a lot of this stuff and and it can get there's a big rabbit hole that you can go down when you look at all of this stuff, which, you know, some people get enamored with TikTok and all of that sort of stuff. And they're on TikTok, they say for hours. Well, I go to CBS Sports and start looking at the net rankings and doing all of that. So you get stuck in a rabbit hole. Yeah, I get I get completely completely um lost and it's like what what happened i'm sorry i didn't even know my family was existed for the last you know 45 minutes um because i'm sitting there looking at net rankings and um how close someone is from a quad that's a quad three win that could be a quad two win if they if they do well um it's always interesting to see like so um, you get you get kind of the the cakewalk games early in the season, um, and you know can that cakewalk game early in the season? Normally, it's a quad four game, but can that become a quad three game? Like how close are they um, that that opponent from going from a quad four to a quad three? Which maybe that doesn't make a big difference. Um, for the most part, but if you're a bubble team, that could be a huge difference. You know, Virginia Tech sitting there with some really close games at home, um, and they had a decent non-conference schedule, but, you know, if they play a team like Radford, Radford's surging, and, you know, you find teams like, like Tennessee played Harleton State, well, no one knows who Tarleton State is. I mean, I do because the the guy that founded Tarleton State is actually from Tennessee, but that's because I know a lot of Tennessee and Southwest Virginia history. But you know, Tarleton State, you wouldn't think anything about them. Tennessee beat them by twenty five. It was a cakewalk game right after um, right after New Year's. Well, they've become a quad three. They become a quad three opponent, almost a quad two, because they've now run through their conference and have won like eight out of the last nine games. So it's really fun to think about all of those things and then think this is what the committee's doing and they're trying to do it with not just like our favorite teams, they're trying to do it with everyone and trying to be really neutral about it. Right. I mean, it's tough. It's tough enough to do it in football, right? And then there's just four. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Now you got to do it with 64. Right, 64, and then add add two teams. You know, realistically, there's two teams, two at-large teams that um, – I know what that was. I think that's my wife's computer. There's two at-large teams that are going to come from a Power 5 conference, right? So there's 66, and then you've got to decide – of those 16 seeds from those automatic qualifiers from the SWAC and the MEAC and um, the Metro Conference and all that, who's going to play in those play-in games? Those are tournament games. Um, and the other interesting thing is on those pick games like the two or the 12 seed and the 11 seed, there for a long time, like, when they first started doing that for a long time, one of those four teams that played in Dayton made it to the Sweet 16. Yes. So, you know, people are like, well, those, you know, it doesn't matter who the 12 and seed is, who that extra 12 and extra 11 is. But it sure as heck mattered to the team that had to play them on a Saturday and Sunday um, in the first, you know, in the first weekend. Mm-hmm. Because they got beat and that team rolled on. So, you know, I'm interested to see how close Joe Lenardi and Jerry Palm are with their bracketology. Right. And to the committee. They're normally pretty close. Yeah, they're normally really close. It's really interesting. Really fun to watch. Well, the scary thing you were that you were talking about was – Tennessee's remaining schedule. Carolina's remaining schedule. They have Tech this weekend. Tech's never been a friend, so um, but it's it's in Chapel Hill. Um, UVA and we go to Uva. Uh, Tony Bennett's going to have a defense that's going to give us a problem. Um, then Miami. That, that's not a cakewalk down there either. Um, no, not in Miami. No. And then NC State in Chapel, Notre Dame in Chapel, and then Duke at Cameron. Um, right. So, like, that Virginia Tech, that Virginia Tech game, that's at Chapel Hill, right? Virginia Tech game? I believe so. Yes. Right. So, so you know, Virginia Tech sitting, like, in the 60s, I think, in the net, which is a quad – it's a quad two game for UNC. That's a huge quad one game for Virginia Tech. That's sitting there, you know, on the outside looking in. That if they could get that win, what's that do to their resume? And what's that do to you know, what's that do to do to the you know, what's that do to the bubble? Right. They're they're outside of the bubble right now, but. You go to UNC and you win that game, then you're immediately in the conversation. Especially if you can parlay that into a couple more wins, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not as detrimental to UNC to lose that game. That probably means they go from the top line of the two seeds to the bottom line of the two seeds, but it's gigantic for Tech, which is also a like you get into this motivation and like. Who's revved up for this game and who's who's really motivated for these things? I mean, Tech's remaining schedules, Notre Dame, then 
well, that's going backwards. They have uh, us, then they play Virginia at Tech, Pitt at Pitt, Syracuse in the Dome, uh, Wake Forest, Louisville in Kentucky, and then Notre Dame in Blacksburg. If they can beat us and they pick up four wins and get a win in the ACC tournament, they're in the tournament. Very well could be. Um, and, and that's when you start to parse out, like, who did Virginia Tech play in the non-conference, right? What's their non-conference strength of schedule? And right. then what's their overall strength of schedule? And then you start to, then you start to like, blind resume people with, with the not necessarily like offensive, offense and defensive metrics or analytics. You're talking about like the metrics in terms of who did they play and how tough, you know, how tough is their schedule? Because if you get a team that's um, 20 and 10 um, or, you know, we'll say 20 and 11 and they've won one game in their conference tournament, they're 20 and 11, um, and then you've got another team that's, you know, 19 and 13. But the team that's 19 and 13 played a strength of schedule that's ranked in the top 10 in the country. And the other team has got a strength of schedule that's, you know, 265. That's And, and that's what's really hurt South Carolina right now. Like South Carolina – um, of course, they got absolutely drilled by Auburn, but everyone that's played at Auburn has gotten drilled. Auburn has won every single game this year by double digits. The only the only games that they haven't won by double digits, they lost. <laughs> and um, and they, South Carolina's they lost three games. Right, South Carolina. Right, but their strength of schedule is in the 200s. Um, so they don't so they don't get the they don't necessarily get the love. Now the AP has started to rank them. Yes. But if you look at their, their net ranking is still in the forties. Um and like Lenardi and Palm still have them outside of the outside of the top four. Uh, outside of the top four seeds. So um yeah, it it'll be interesting to see what the committee does with teams like that, right? Teams that have that have good wins like South Carolina has they've beaten Kentucky and Tennessee. One was at home, one was on the road. So you've got you know, you've got teams like like that that have good wins, but their non conference strength of schedule is just crud. Like Tennessee, their non conference um, resume has a win at Wisconsin. Um, they beat Illinois. They played Purdue and lost by a bucket. Played Kansas, um, and they played a true road game at North Carolina. Like that's that's five games: a true road game at Wisconsin, and a true road game at UNC, sandwiched in there with, you know, Illinois at home, Purdue and Kansas. I mean, that's you just take those five. And they're all inside of the top twenty, in the right. So, um, you know that that's more quad one games that South Carolina's played all season long, <laughs> almost. 
So with all of that being said, on Saturday, who's your top four? Um, so the number one overall seed is going to be Purdue. Uh, Purdue's going to be the number one overall seed. And I know that you, that UConn has been great all year long. Um, but if you blind resume them, mm-hmm. Purdue has more quad one wins. They have more quad two wins. Their strength of schedule is tougher. Their non-conference strength of schedule is tougher. They have the best resume of anyone in the country, bar none. Um, UConn will be number two. Houston will be number three. And then I I think, and I'm like I'm going with I'm going with uh, Jerry Palm on this one. And and I think Lenardi's the same way, but I really think that they'll give Arizona that fourth, mainly because Arizona hasn't gone two and two over the last four like North Carolina, Tennessee, and Kansas have. So you think Arizona, Kansas, and North Carolina all deserve to jump Marquette? Well, I think what – no. Because Marquette's being in the AP at four. Yeah, I know. And here's the thing, like South Carolina's AP number 11. Yes. They got beat by, beat by 40 at, at, um, at Auburn. In the net <laughs> – like in the net, um, and they got beat by 40, literally, 101-61. Um, in the net, South Carolina is like 53. Their non-conference strength of schedule is like in the 250s. So I think what's going to end up happening is Marquette's going to get – the problem with Marquette is – they're playing UConn Saturday, right? Now, if they can pull off the UConn win, that's a different ball game, right? But I think right now, I think you'll get Arizona in there, and then the two seeds will be, um, like I think it'll be Tennessee, Kansas, or yeah, Tennessee, Kansas, UNC, Marquette. Those will be your four, and then your three seeds will be. Auburn, Alabama, um, Auburn, Alabama, um, Duke. Yeah, Duke will be a three seed. And then um, the fourth three seed is. Um, is it Iowa State or South Carolina? Well, I think it'll be Iowa State because South Carolina, like I said, South Carolina, just their overall body of work when you put it up next to someone else, isn't going to be as good. So South Carolina is going to be like a really tricky team for the for the committee to to seed because if you seed them really low, if they're a seven, like that's that's not you don't want to play if South Carolina plays the way they have all year long and they make it to the you know semifinals of the SEC championship they could quite possibly be, you know, 30 and five, <laughs> you know, or they could be 28 and seven as a seven seed. Like that's really tough. Right. But if you look at the body of work 
against someone else, you know, you could understand why they would do, why they could be seeded that way. But you don't want to be the two seed with South Carolina as a seven, right? Right. I don't you. I don't know if you want to be the three seed with South Carolina as the six in there. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how teams that have really good records but not great bodies of work get seeded by the tournament, like St. Mary's. Yeah, St. Mary's Gonzaga. Um, we're coming. To- make- what was that? Gonzaga's not going to make it. No, Zags aren't going to make it. Um, we got about nine minutes left. Um, let's get into some Southwest. Um, the girls played tonight. Um, Richlands took on V High. V High defeated Richlands. Not sure of the score. And Graham defeated Marion by three. How do you see Ooh. the final game? Uh, stacking up between the G-Girls and the Bearcats. Well, uh, congratulations to the Graham girls. Um, That was an upset. Well, Uh, Graham was seeded higher. Marion was the three seed and Graham was the the two seed. Were they? I would still consider that an upset. Um, Congratulations to them. Now go play Virginia High. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, which maybe, you know, if you get hot, if you get hot at the right time in basketball, you can make runs. Um you can make you can make runs. So if you get hot at the right time, you can do it. Um what Graham will have to do is they'll have to they'll have to weather a storm from Virginia High, because Virginia High more than likely will come out and and probably play pretty well early on. And if Graham can weather that, because I feel like in in girls basketball a lot of times whoever just comes out hot, um, you know, tends to tends to win it win the game more times than not. So, yeah, Graham is going to have to weather that initial form. And maybe if they're if they're hot enough, maybe it's Virginia High that's got to weather it. Right. Maybe get hot. Get hot. So maybe this is Graham's time to shine. So starting tomorrow on the boys side, Lebanon takes on Graham in the first game, Marion taking on V High. Um in that first game, Lebanon Graham who you, how do you see it and who do you take? Well, if you went based on the last what three games of the season, um your guess is as good as mine. I mean Lebanon um Lebanon goes and loses to Grundy and then turns around and beats Graham. Beats Graham. So um uh, I wouldn't have thought that that would have happened, um, but <laughs> one of those things like, and I said this early on, like Lebanon's kind of a tricky team because they've got good athletes. They've, they've had a really good basketball team uh, in single A the last few years, and I've called uh, 
quite a few of their games, and they they play swarming defense, and when they get hot, they're hot, um, and they can they can knock down shots, which is also interesting because they did not play well against Grundy. I mean, Grundy, I think, put up 70 on them, and then they turn around and beat Graham in kind of a rock fight type game. Right. So um, I would I would dare to say that Graham is not going to let that happen again. Um, so I, I would take Graham. But, man, it's just been such a crapshoot. It has. But in, with that being said, with that being said, um, I think Lebanon's hot, and that's who I'm going to take. Ooh, um, nice. I, I, I like Graham, but hey, like Dave Chappelle says, clackety clack sevens. <laughs> you get hot, a hot yeah. hand in a good dice, and start winning. Right now, in the next one, Marion V High, V High starting player with like three games left in the season goes down, so he's out. I'm pretty sure it was an ACL or Achilles, something like that. The um, lower leg. But but Vihai still beat Marion without him. So does Marion come and get this win? Because they beat Graham. Um, and it would be a third time that Vihai would have to beat him. Does it happen? All right. The worst thing you can do is play, play a team that you've beaten twice a third time in the same season, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, that – yeah, get those divisional playoff games. <laughs> right. Divisional playoff games in the NFL. You're like, oh, man, we've already beat these guys twice. Damn, we've got to play them again. Yeah. Um, I still like Virginia High in it. I think there's – I think the location is going to help, even though we've talked about how <laughs> it in doesn't. Southwest Virginia – and, yeah, location doesn't help. I like V high. Um, they've got everything in front of them. I, I I can't imagine them kind of wasting this opportunity to go into the go into the regional tournament. You know, rolling. Plus, this is uh, Virginia High has been really close to you know kind of unseating Graham, right? Basketball, and I think this you know. It's their season. I'm going with I'm going with Virginia High. I'm gonna stay with the hot hand on that one as well and pick V High. So all right, as we wrap this up, as we do always, what kind of food you eating? Well, I'll tell you what I had today. <coughs> I had the ultimate pastrami from Happy Goat. Oh and Hunt uh, Huntley had the uh PBJ. <laughs> With the crust cut off. And, um, yeah, so I'll probably do that. Well, what we had, well, what we had tonight was Elmar's and, um, I had, uh, just a chicken quesadilla and added chorizo to it. And Caroline, Caroline had the uh, kid C and, um, the wife, she had uh, nachos, so it was all delicious. Couldn't go wrong. Mm. Sounds awesome. Heck yeah. 
All right. Oh, you have. Oh yeah. That's nice. That's good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Elmars is hard to beat. It is hard to beat. I'm not. Yeah. I was out there this afternoon and almost couldn't resist the um <laughs> the uh exhaust wafting into the air. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I got my hair cut and I was like, oh, I think I'm I'm probably gonna have to stop in there. <laughs> You're a guy listening to this podcast and you do not get your hair cut at Corey's. You need to go to Corey's. Just throwing that out there. Absolutely. If you're not going to Corey's, you're not going to the right place. <laughs> how, long, how long did you have to wait? Um, I waited for seven minutes. You got lucky. Seven so, minutes. Hit it right, dude. Yes, you did. Well, we're about to hit this right and have a decently timed podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next week. See ya.